Hello, welcome to October and welcome to another episode of Brailcast, connecting the dots for Brailists everywhere. My name is Matthew Horsepool and we're doing something a bit different in this episode. In April 2022, Dave Williams, our chairman, flew all the way over to Boston, Massachusetts in the USA to run the Boston Marathon. Well, who else is in Boston, of course, but the Perkins School for the Blind? Well, actually, they're not in Boston. They're in Watertown. But Watertown, Massachusetts is close enough to Boston, Massachusetts, that Dave couldn't resist going over there with some of his friends for a guided tour of the facility, and in particular, where Perkins brailers are made. And of course, he also couldn't resist taking some recording equipment there. So here is a guided tour of how Perkins brailers are made with Dave Williams, wife Emma, his running guide, his son, and Dan Roy from the Perkins School for the Blind. Uh, my name is Dan Roy. I'm the Director of Operations for the Perkins School for the Blind. Uh, Perkins Solutions, which is a division of Perkins School for the Blind. And uh, we're in the Howe Press building where the Perkins Braille is manufactured. So th this building is, um, was dedicated in 1969. We outgrew our, our original building. Uh, which will go into the, the Howe Press building. So uh, way back when the Howe Press was, they bound books, hence the name Press. So they bound all of the uh, blind uh, Braille books. And then eventually, back in the early, maybe late 40s, early 50s, um, the school asked Mr. David Abraham, uh, who's from the UK, uh, originally, but he was an industrial arts teacher here at Perkins, and they asked him if he would design a brailler. So he went about and did that. So in 1951, the Perkins brailler, as you know it today, was launched to for for put to the public. So um, amazingly enough, it hasn't really changed much since then. It's still all metal, very durable. Workhorse Brailler, um, and we distribute the Brailler over 175 countries. So, so this David Abraham came and he said, "Well, we need more space to build Brailers." So they added this building on, and this is you know what you see here. So over the years, we used to do all the Brailler assembly here. All we had all the parts, uh, stamping machines, and drill presses, and. Uh, CNC machines and you name it, and it was very busy. And so all the brailers were built here at Perkins. Over the years, we've moved a lot of that manufacturing operation out. Um, so we still do some, but a lot of it is outsourced to various places in, in, uh, in the United States. And all of our brailers are built at Work Trust in Kapati, India. They're an amazing organization in India, another a nonprofit. They share a very similar mission to Perkins. Um, they're they're an organization and a school for the differently challenged children in India, and um, and they have they have many units, and they they one of the units is the Brailler Assembly Unit, and they have a machine shop unit, and they have a plastics division. And all of these um, units, pro one, provide training and in, 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 uh, occupation for the differently challenged, primarily they're deaf or deaf blind. Um, 
and the revenue generated from that goes to the organization. Much the same as we do here, all of the revenue from the Brailler sales goes to the Perkins School for the Blind to, to help sustain our educational programs. So they're a very good partner. They've been building all of our Brailler's uh, for over 25 years. And you may, uh, Dave, you might recall uh, uh, some years ago through the RNIB organization, we were building Brailler's in a, in a prison system yes. nearby RNIB, right? Mm -hmm. they, they, they built some of the best Brailler's um, and unfortunately, I, you know, for some reason that that's kind of gone. But um, uh, that was that was. Uh, I think that's where we introduced color to the Perkins Brailler. They came in like they had so many fire engine red and emerald green and all of these amazing colors. So if you ever see any of those Brailers, you know they were built in in uh, at RNIB. Um, so. As the years went on, less and less manufacturing was done here, so we, our building is kind of empty. Um, but I'll show you around, uh, you know, some of the things we do, you'll recognize some of the parts, I think. Um, and, you know, uh, and I'll introduce you to some of, some of our team here. Fantastic, thank you very much. Any questions about like our origins? Uh, I'd like to hear a little bit more about um, Mr. Abrahams, because there's some debate about where in the UK he came from, and then is it true that he was actually an engineer working on the, the roads near Perkins uh, before he got involved here? I don't know the answer to the, that either of those questions. So I had the pleasure of meeting his son and his grandson. I want to say his grandson and his great-grandson. And they, they now live in the Carolinas. Um, and they came and visited one day, and one, they, they never saw what their father did, and grandfather did. So the story, as I know, Dave, um, that uh, David Abraham was an engineer uh, uh, educated in the UK, and this, one of the stories I got from his son, one of the claims to fame is he designed the uh, conveyor system in the fighter planes to drop bombs. So before that, there was a hole in the plane and somebody would just kind of say, go and drop it through the hole, right? And he developed an automated way to uh, uh, load the, the, the munitions and automatically drop them on command from the pilots. One of his claims to fame, but I gotta say, uh, I don't know if if, if he was an engineer, a civil engineer here, um, all I know is that he was working in the industrial arts program at Perkins when he was asked to, if he if he could design a a, a, a better brailler, and and he did that. And and what did that process entail? Was there a, a team? Were there um, rejected designs? Um, there was definitely a team. So there was a gentleman, uh, his, um, his, uh, I believe his son-in-law was one of the engineers on his team. Um, a, a gentleman by the name of John Kovitz was an, uh, the, like the senior engineer on the team. As far as prototypes, successes and failures, I don't know a lot about that. There's not a, 
there's not a lot of history uh, that I've been able to find. But I, what I can say is that uh, some of the features of the of the Perkins trailer is just genius. What what he did, for example, you know the apron in the front of the braille, the little curved scoop thing. So it was time to manufacture a new die cast. So these are all aluminum die casts. So we had to design a new tool because the tool had worn out. And when my engineer, and this was maybe ten years ago, eight nine years ago, so we have all the sophisticated SolidWorks CAD modeling. And we couldn't get the CAD model to duplicate the, the uh, curvatures in the, in the apron because they were so complex. And it just kept running, lines kept running into each other. And that's when I said, oh my God, how did he do it? I think a lot of what he did was he might have made some wooden models, prototypes, carved them, shaped them, and uh, and back then they would, it was a lot of sand casting. So you would make a, a negative mold out of sand, compressed sand, pour the hot metal in there, and you, and you get it. So, you know, I think a lot of it was done like that. You know, I, I kind of think about it like a craft. It was really a craft. This it wasn't, wasn't so much like a manufacturing, it was really very much craftsmanlike in, in how they went about designing the brailler and um, and he had all the equipment. We have a full machine shop and all of that was at his disposal, but that that's about all I know about some of the history, Dave. Do you, do you think anybody anticipated the, um, the the durability of the of the design? You know, you, you will hear from people who've had their you know, we've had ours for 40 years, and, and relatively speaking, that's quite a young one. I know people who've got Perkins Brailers dating back to the 50s and 60s. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't... I think it was always the objective to make a very robust and durable piece of equipment because, you know, one of the things I've learned here um, in my short time here is the importance of the, of the Brailler and other devices and and they they and the cost and the so you know most people if they're lucky they get one brailer in their lifetime right yeah. uh, whether they purchase it or it's donated and that brailler's got to last a long time so i think from the from the beginning the the, the mission was to de develop, design a, ma a machine that is very robust and that would last a lifetime. So, so on that, I know there have been various iterations of the of the Perkins Brailler. There was a, a smart Brailler, and I know that you know one of the sort of attempts to improve it was to make it kind of lighter and, and perhaps use more more plastics. I mean, what? Where are we at now? You know, a lot of the people I speak to say, yeah, but they're not as good as they used to be. You know, I mean, that's just life, isn't it? A lot of people yeah. say that about all kinds of things. So, well, yeah. so where are we at now? Yeah, there's some that? truth in that. And yeah. um, so I'll start with the Perkins Brailler. So when I got here, the, there was the, the previous management and engineering team thought that 
it would be nice if the Perkins Brailler was lighter. So they went about to remove a lot of this structure and uh, material, aluminum wall thicknesses and, 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 and uh, those kind of things, which uh, would actually, what happened was now the Brailler kind of was a little, it could be a little warped or, you know, cockeyed. Uh, it didn't go together and stand up like the original Brailler. It was, it was actually, I learned this, I, my, my first trip was to Spain and I met with uh, the ONSE organization and I, I met with the repair technician and he, he immediately started <laughs> after me on all of these things. And, he, and I, I really uh, listened to what he had to say. He, he worked on the older Brailers, he worked on the new Brailers, he knew the differences. And so it was at that point that I came back here and I said, I gotta find out what they did. So I called all of the old engineers back. I fed them lunch. These are like John Kovitz and Leon Murphy and these, these guys that were here in the heyday uh, in the development and actually worked with David Abraham. And uh, I sat him around the room. I pulled all the old prints out. And I said, you guys got to tell me what we did here and all of those features that are critical to quality so that I can fix them. So we did that. And then, uh, so I had to go back and get all new die molds, all new castings, put all of the structure back in the brailler. And, uh, and so we, we've done that. And we're, I think we're back to where we were. And I, I used to, I, I go back to the year 1974, which is the, the last set of drawings that I have with John Kovitz's name on them, with David Abraham's name on them. So I know that, you know, they were, and these were all drawn by hand, by the way. Um, they were all, they were, they were good drawings. So we went back to 1974 drawings and we brought everything back to where it was, if not better. So, so when there was a, there's a, there's a group of Brailers, probably serial number, I'm guessing here a little bit, serial number um, 325,000, in that range uh, that were made over this course of about 10 years that had uh, the, the aluminum structure that was not as robust as it was originally designed and not as robust as it is today. So, so that's the story on that. And there is some truth to that. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, I didn't want to criticize, but I got to ask the question because yeah. that's something that people want to know. Um, and the the other question that I that I hear a lot, you know, people ask about, um, you know, repairs and, and, and maintenance, um, and it's in the UK sometimes difficult to find somebody to do that. You know, we know one or two people because we're in this world, you know, but quite often, um, you know, people will call up say R and I B and say, well, where can I get somebody to take a look at my, my Perkins. I, I mean, are you, are you actively trying to, to train uh, engineers to, to offer technical support around the world? How does that? Yes, um, so uh, in, in, in the UK in particular, uh, once the, all the brailers were repaired at the, at the prison during that era when 
railers were built there. So a lot of them, we relied on the prison to do all the repairs. And then when that uh, went closed down, uh, we had to seek out other repairs. So uh, when I got here, we were working with the Royal National College. We had already we had already started working with them. They don't do it anymore. I don't think they've just stopped doing it. The gentleman that was there had retired, and so that left them with no one to repair. So we had to build that back up again. So we gave him some training. Um, so now there's a gentleman named Thomas Green. So he's trained now to to repair the brailers. I've also um, uh, there's an organization in uh, Allen Thorpe. Yes. Yeah, we work with Alan. Yeah. 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 So, so Alan is now trained, and so we've got two service centers. So, uh, yes, Dave, to answer your question, we we seek out individuals either coming from our training program or we hear about them uh, whether they're servicing other assistive devices or or just interested, and in, uh, we establish the, uh, a service center. And would an engineer need to need to come here to Boston to, to do that? I know that's happened in the past, or is that something that you can deliver remotely now? Well, we can do a little bit of both. Um, so uh, I was saying earlier, we, we've taken our show on the road, if you will. Um, and so far, we've only done that within the United States. But uh, I've built up a uh, several uh, instructors now. So I have instructors in Maryland. I have instructors in Florida. I have instructors in India. So I can deploy them to centralized locations to do training, hands-on training. So we, we've started doing that. We did it at the American Printing House uh, a couple of years ago. And I've got eight other organizations right now on my backlog that want to have training, want us to go out and train them. So they'll, they'll collect you know, all the interested people, 10, 20 people, and we'll go in and we'll give them a trick, we'll give them a We'll design a curriculum for them, whether they want level one, level two, advanced training, level three. And we put that all together and we deploy and we go out and train. We also can do level one training via webinar. And level one is just general maintenance, cleaning, oiling your brailler, which is really important. And a lot of the time, that's all your brailler needs. It doesn't wear out if you take care of it. It just needs to be cleaned, you know, remove the old oil and grease, give it some new oil and grease. So we, we do that via webinar. We do, um, I, I just did a training here for TVIs, uh, our, um, our educational leadership program, the, the group that comes in through international, we just train them to level one. So we, we do a lot, a lot more of that. As far as the minor repair and advanced repair, it, we haven't really mastered doing that via uh, you know the web or uh, we're working on it um, but a lot of times it requires hands-on uh, training for the maximum you know uh, learning you mentioned Alan Thorpe who is is now certified to offer servicing in in the UK and we really appreciate that and of course Alan himself is is blind is that something that you've been conscious of to make sure that uh, blind people as well can can really be involved in in servicing and, and maintenance and support yes absolutely um, so uh, my instructor in Maryland his daughter is blind and he's got a real passion so uh, in many of our classes we've got 
you know, we could last the last class. I think there were four individuals in one class that were blind. Um, and we we were very aware of uh, how difficult or challenging some of the maintenance steps are for a blind individual. So after his name, my, my, my instructor is, his name is Steve Bishop. He's a, he's a retired, semi-retired engineer. And when he came through the training program, I knew right away that he would be a, a good instructor. And uh, so, so since then, we, the, some of the blind individuals that have gone through our training program, we continue to work with um, and help them develop different types of tools and methods that are make servicing the brailler more accessible for, for blind and low vision people. Uh, so yeah, and we have our training manuals we bring in braille for those who want to see it. We have videos now, you may have seen the cleaning video and it's captioned, it's, we try to make it as accessible as possible. But yeah, we're, we're keenly aware of that and we, we work hard to, to um, uh, find better ways to train uh, blind and low vision folks. We'll have a little look around in, in a second. I just uh, wanna thank you for being so candid and I'm really encouraged by everything you, you've said about uh, you know the progress on uh, the the robust durability of the uh, you know the newer uh, Perkins Brailers and and the work you're doing around um, making sure that you know blind people as well can be involved in in the support and and servicing because you know, clearly engineering can be a challenging field you know where you get a schematic in a inaccessible PDF or something you know and yes um, th those things can can represent real barriers but it doesn't have to be that way and it sounds like you're really trying to break down those barriers so thank you yeah. um, what what's the future then what do you see as the, the future? it sounds like demand is quite strong you've got a waiting list of people wanting to do servicing and um, I always say to people, you know, because uh, I get asked, what, what Braille device should I get? And I always say, well, you need to start with the Perkins, you know, clearly that's 101, you know, that's where you start. And we, I mean, we keep one out on our dining table during the first COVID lockdown um, when we were finding it difficult to get supermarket deliveries. Um, I went with my son uh, to the supermarket and, you know, we would literally write out the shopping list you know, it was like the days before the internet, you know, we'd write out the shopping list with the Perkins Brailler um, and, and I would take that to the supermarket and we would go and get the groceries, you know, so yeah. still plays a really valuable role, obviously in education, uh, but also just in, in, in daily life. So yeah. so thank you for everything you, you, you guys do here. What What so, is the future? So one of the, uh, one of our ideas, um, concepts for the future is to, is connectivity. Uh, in a, at a high level, connectivity. So we've developed a prototype bottom board that uh, you, you basically take the 11 screws off your bottom board and you snap it, you take this bottom board out of the box, you snap your brailler right on, on top of it, and instantly you have Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, and USB connection to any, de any peripheral device. So effectively what that does is it turns your brailler into a keyboard that now you can go in on the internet or you can 
you can uh, uh, you can maneuver and navigate around your smart device. You can connect it to your PC. Um, so and at a very low cost. So we're looking at a, 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 a low price point so that uh, uh, people in developing countries um, and around the world can afford this and can can connect to the to the rest of the world and and the beauty is we have an install base of almost four hundred thousand braille writers around the world and without having to invest in sophisticated and expensive technology they can take their existing classic brailler and now be able to connect to the world so that's kind of a vision and and, and there's so many things you know we're thinking about like an e-classroom there's there's such a shortage for teachers for the visu visually impaired that we could set up a network and into classrooms and one tvi could could be remote teaching children practically anywhere so uh the use cases we're thinking about different use cases of how we could uh take the classic braille to the next level mm -hmm. connect people who may not be able to afford uh, sophisticated things, take advantage of some of the applications that are coming out now on, on smart devices and kind of tap into that technology with, a, with an old, older product. And it feels like the lesson that's kind of been learned is obviously do that, but not at the cost of compromising the original proposition. Yeah, everything that we do under my management is is reverse compatible so you know we're, we're not designing things that we can't install in a brailler that was purchased in 1952 <laughs> Amazing. So, so so we try to keep you know uh, uh, our designs the the, the design, overall design constraint is to make sure that whatever we do is better and is reverse compatible so. Well, this is our, our the, the heavy machine shop. So in front of you, Dave um, and Emma, there's there's uh, large screw machines where we used to do all of the, uh, the the carriage rod and the pressure roller and all the tubes that you see in inside the, the brailer. Uh, that was done here. Um, further ahead, we have four machining centers where we machine all of the castings. So the castings we get are, are raw, and we machine in the features, the screw holes, and you know various aspects of the of the castings. This little table here. So this this little this assembly this is the rack bar. So this is what moves every time you hit a key, and so it's like a square rod with. Um I suppose roughly triangular yeah. uh, pieces set against the end, yeah. and then that bar, like you say, it rotates every time you press a key. Yeah, and, it, and these cams, so this moves the the, the constant force beam yeah. up and down, yeah. which pulls your embosser head down and, and brails the paper. Right. There is a series of uh, series of machines uh, in front of you, Dave. That uh, this it's a work cell, um, and in this work cell, we make the stylus. Okay. So the bottom of this is is cut on on the first machine. That's the shoe. Yeah. And then the rod gets fit, fed into the shoe. Yes. And then the detent, we braze it together, and then we bend it. So all of that is done in this little work cell here. And there's three different t 
types of stylus in the in the brailler, uh, two of each, and uh, each of the bends. Uh, they're bent in a certain way so that they fit up through the carriage and 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 to the uh, stripper plate. Um, and uh, that, that that little tip is what embosses the paper. Absolutely, so, yeah. yeah. And then there's like um, it's kind of a stylus inside a stylus. So it's almost like a little collar before we get to the final. Tip. Yeah, the uh, the little ledge there. There's yeah. a spring that we put on top, and that little ledge holds the spring from sliding down. Right. And then that that pushes the the stylus back down after you're done embossing. So you got six of those, yep. three different designs. Yeah. And then the shoe is at one end of the yes. stylus. And then at the other end, you'll feel there's a, a ledge on which would sit a spring. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's another thing we do here. Um, I want to take you into the next room. We yep. do some lighter machining, or op okay. assembly operations, I should say. So the other thing we do here is we try to design uh, all of the operations so that they can be performed by... Uh, blind and low vision uh, or deafblind individuals. Do, do you have any blind individuals working here? I do, yes. So I want to introduce you to him. He's done. Sorry, Sorry to interrupt lunch. lunch. That's okay. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Peter's been here over 55 years. Peter, Peter came to this com country from Italy. Yeah. And he, he uh, immigrated from Italy and uh, Soon after, he started working for Perkins. Um, 59 days today. I'm in this country. 59 years? Today. 59 today years today. today. Yeah. So, so Peter's blind. Peter can operate all, he can make all of our parts. Um, he's does all his own setups. He does all his own quality checks. Um, so today, Peter's in front of you, Dave and yep. Emma. This is a little camera. The look. The, oh. one. That's one. Okay, so I've got one of these little cam rolls. It's um, just for, for listeners. It feels like a, um, a barrel uh, kind of shape, probably about uh, half a centimeter in length. Mm -hmm. This they go to the <clears throat> to the drum. You know the the drum the one. You, yeah. You roll the paper into the machine. Yes. That's the clip. Right. Yeah. It, it slammed the, the paper down. That's what the one of the piece there. Okay. Yeah. And what do you, what's your role here? What do you what do you have to do with these? What do you have to do with this? Um it's three pieces. Uh, that's one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Then one more. They go inside and in the top of the, the big piece I gave it to you. Okay, right. Yeah, so we have right, a right in there. Right, it's very small. Uh, uh -huh, almost uh -huh. like a, a nut, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then one more thing, <laughs> very small. Oh my goodness. That's that's a small one. That one going to top. So the washer. Right. Okay, that's a washer. It, it keep, tiny little washer. It keeps together the the those three pieces together. And, and Dave, yeah. that washer has to go in in a certain orientation. Yeah. The, the, and you the, can feel that which it, orientation has to go. Yeah. In? The sharp is going up. Wow. Well, I'm a Braille reader, so mm -hmm. I consider myself to have a reasonable yeah. mm -hmm. sense of touch, but I really <laughs> couldn't do what you do. That's incredible. Can I give you these three pieces back? Okay. Okay, so there's the washer. Okay. 
and there's the nut. Okay. And there's. And now I show you. Yeah. A go inside this hole. The okay. Piece, you know so the big piece I gave it you before. Yeah. So you've got like a clamp, is it? Yeah. I put them yeah. in there. Yeah. And then I put the roll roller. Yeah. And feel it in the top. Yes. So you put the roller uh -huh. onto a part of a clamp. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then you put the washer on the in the top. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. See, it's all together now. Okay. And you've got that in the right way round. Yes. I wouldn't know which way round, but you. Okay. Yeah. Now you see this. This it's a machine. So there's a rotating piece above. Uh -huh. Yeah. This this tool. Yeah. It come down in a crash. You know. It, it right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just no. get your fingers out of the way. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, you can touch the machine. You can touch it right now. That's okay. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I won't do nothing. Yeah, so it's rotating a bit like a drill. In the wall, it's like It rotates on an axis, so... It's oval. It's oval. That's oh, I see, right, okay. Yeah. You see how it's spinning? Then it's spinning smooth. Yeah, it's oval, yeah, yeah. 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 And then push this down. Okay. So I press the sort of a pedal. Yeah, yeah, pick it up. I still feel it spinning, yeah? Yeah, no. You pull it out of the machine. Oh, do I? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> I was a bit now, reluctant to put my fingers in Now you check for that, for that little roller spinning. So the washer is now on and it isn't coming off? No, no. No, <laughs> no, no. I don't want to come out. No. That's right, yeah. No. You have to stay there. Fantastic. Okay. So, Dave, you just made your first part. That go, that's going to go into a Perkins trailer. Oh, thank you very much. Well, that is a huge honor. There you go. I'm generally the guy that tells people about them, but uh, being involved in this is fantastic. Thank you very much. So this is just one of many operations Peter does. Yeah. yeah. So how long you worked here, Peter? Sorry. I came to work in 1963. 1963? No, 65. 65. Yeah, I came in this country in 63. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, you will have met the David Abrahams? No, no, Abraham, no. He just left about two years before I came. Yeah? Yeah. I married, I married son-in-law, but no, no him, no. No. So and, and you've uh, always worked in this building? Yes. Mm -hmm. And and how is it, I mean, what is the same and what has changed in that time? Well, it, it's, it's been a little change, you know, the, the, the different things, you know. The, you know, now we're marrying the new the new SB, you know, the Brella. Yes. Which, which you know, uh, before, you know, before we used to, used to make the, just the, the classic, they used to make all the appliances, you know, the, the slate, all the stuff, used to make them all over here, but no anymore. No. And do you use and, the, and this room here, actually, this was, they, they called the press room. That's why we used to print all the Braille books right in this room over here. Way back. <laughs> You're back. Way back, yeah. <laughs> and do you use a Perkins Braille yourself at home? No. I, I, I try. I couldn't. I, I got a good feeling to the parts. And I got no, no feeling of the Braille. I don't know why. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Peter went blind at a later time. Yeah. So he slowly, you know. Slow. You know. Right. So you, you, you weren't blind from. I mean, some people do learn Braille later in, in life. I mean, 
Yeah. Not this. So when you started working here, then you you had some usable vision. Yes, I do. Yeah. 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 They did. Yeah. And then slowly, you know, start to lose it. Right. Mm. And and has your role changed over the years? No, 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 no. Nothing changed. <laughs> you never fancied being the the manager or anything like that. No, 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 no. I have no patience on that. No. <laughs> so you'd rather deal with the parts rather no, than no, the people. No, no. There's a couple of things about Peter. So whenever I make a design change, before I, I if I just have an idea in my head, I come to talk to Peter, because Peter, Peter was here. You know, when with the originators, the you know the John Kovich, I told him about John and yes, Leon John. Murphy. Yeah. So Peter has a good sense of, you know, we tried that before, it wouldn't work, you know, or be careful about this. So organizational knowledge, the history, the uh, the, the, the the tribal knowledge. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yes, so uh, valuable. The other thing, yes, Peter is really good at and, and helps us mm. is. We, we bring students in uh, from, from the school and uh, we teach them how to run the machine that Peter's is doing right now or other equipment and and Peter helps to train them and you know and he can relate and, and train in such a way that these kids uh, pick up um, pretty quickly on how to do it just just like he did in a, in a short uh, time with you, Dave. Yeah. So, yeah. So that that's that's one of Peter's roles. Uh, you know, um, we don't have as many kids as we used to have, but um, we have two deafblind students who are working down here for a couple hours a week, and we have one blind student working here on Thursday afternoon. So we try to um, for those kids that are interested in maybe. Uh, after they graduate from Perkins, doing kind of assembly work or testing or whatnot, we give them some on-the-job training, if you will. Uh, yeah, so. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much. Okay. And, um, this has been a real treat. Nice to meet you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. All right. Okay. Cheers. So, um, in the last thing, we have our sales. So, our, our sales team, we have one salesperson, uh, James Anderson James. James interfaces a lot with his counterparts at RNIB. Um, so James is remote. Uh, we have a, a purchasing uh, manager. She buys all of our supplies and uh, they're, they're both working remotely. Uh, you're standing now is our, our, this is our shipping and receiving area. So all materials come in here, they go through quality and then they go to the warehouse. So our business model is we do some assembly here, but primarily we're part of the supply chain. So we're doing all the procurement. We put the materials together in, in kits, if you will, 1,200 at a time. We load up a 40-foot ocean container and we send that ocean container to India. They assemble the brailers and we put them in a 20-foot ocean container and send them back. So that's that's kind of you know what we do here. Um, and how you know how it how it all works? They also like R and I B will we do order fulfillment right from our our facility in India, and they'll they they go direct to R and I B. They won't come here. They uh, except for the smart brailers. Um, 
uh, they they'll 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 ship directly from India. So that's kind of they they help us, we help them. It's a very good partnership. I heard uh, well, I think I read a, a news article on the Perkins website that uh, I think it was the museum had managed to get back the zero zero one, the first Perkins that was ever sold. That they they managed to buy that back from from somewhere. Yes. Uh, I don't yeah. know where that where that is, but uh, I I've not seen it, but yeah. I've heard that. <laughs> I keep an eye out. So in my office, yeah. I have Braille number eighty three, and I've serviced Braille number thirty two. From a librarian in New York, said, "Can you fix my Braille?" I said, "Sure." What's the serial number? Serial number thirty two. You said, "Can I have the rest of it?" I said, "Can I? Can I? Can I do?" I'll, I'll replace that Braille for you, but it was gifted to her. So she, so, but yeah, I mean, that's the, that, you know, Braille is, you know, in, in those low figures were, were built by David Abraham himself. So yeah. they're hard to come by, but they're still out there working. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. So we're doing some things. Um, um, we're, we're a few design changes. I've, I've, I've updated the feed roller. So it's segmented now. And that'll be introduced soon. And the other, um, I go over to Kim, whenever I have a design change, and before it's implemented, I she's my test person, and um, she's a, you know as an expert Borealist, uh I I look to her for feedback. Do you like it? Do you not like it? What can we do better? Um, we're also introducing a new pressure roller, so I'm eliminating the the pesky O rings that. Mm -hmm. Um, oh, yeah. You know, so <laughs> yeah, so um, O-rings, by nature, they're gonna they're gonna wear out, they dry up. It's rubber, um, and it's not easy to. It's not something uh, someone at home can easily do to replace their their O-rings. So, you know, we talked about you know some kind of the design things, uh, Dave, and one of the design constraints is we look at serviceability. What can we do to this brailler to make it easier to service, or not to not requiring service, like removing all rings? So um, that's in the works. We've got newly designed cam rods that are, and we're trying to take advantage of some technology, mm. new materials um, uh, that that would add value to the brailler. Yeah, people are very attached to them, aren't they? And uh, you know, I had this experience recently when I sent. You know my my watch off for a new battery and and it took a week and they replaced the watch you know without even asking me um and the original one had some sentimental value you know yeah. so yeah people are attached to them you know yeah. and that's an important consideration yeah. what's the benefit of segmenting the um the rod then the is rod. it just so it's easier to replace parts so there the it's it's kind of a it, it's a couple things cost the, the that rubber roller inside the Brailler that yeah. feeds the paper in. That's one of the most expensive parts in the whole brailler. Okay. Um, in the technology, so we have the way that's made is um, the the roller inside of it gets knurled, and then we so we send it out to a company. They knurl it. They they put the rubber on it, and then it comes back here, and we we grind the rubber down to the proper diameter so it's very labor-intensive okay. um, so we found a company in Colorado 
that makes uh, these segments, they call them tires. And uh, so you'll, you've seen them in, in, in printers and uh, you know, that's, you know, so it's less material and they're strategically placed so that you could use an, if you do index cards for notes or if you use eight and a half by 11 versus 11 by 11 and a half, the, 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 each of these segments are strategically located so it doesn't um, interfere with loading any kind of paper, which is one of the nice things about the Perkins Brailers. You can, you can load pretty much any kind of paper you want. In yes, there. oh yeah. Some that you shouldn't even. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so we've we'll, all put we'll keep, we'll Christmas cards in there and. I'll, I'll just, before we walk out, we're, we're probably just about out of time. That's the new pressure roller we're, prototypes we're working on. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that is. So would it have less grip? No, actually there's more contact area on this than there, than there is on the, the original one. Okay. Right. So there's nine O-rings, but only uh, two on each side. So only describe, five of them touch. And to describe this, then, so the uh, pressure roller, so it's a, you know, it's a cylindrical uh, rod with, um, how would we describe? So sort of it's it's. You know that have the. It's in sections essentially. Yeah. So those raised areas. And um, there are ridges at um, various points along the rod, which replace the o-rings that we currently have right and they're spaced and their height in their spacing is such that um uh it doesn't it prohibits the dots from being crushed and it rides in between a cell so that distance there you might it's feel the width like, of a cell yeah 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 okay yeah and if i could take that emma mm -hmm. and and this will put these kind of together yeah. so these will you can see that the yeah. The raised areas on the pressure roller align with the lobes of the new feed roller. Right. Okay. So the the feed roller. Now we have rubber sections that are spaced maybe four inches apart. Yeah. You like that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Much lighter as well. Okay. <laughs> yes, but yeah, much lighter. Yeah, but but you can see that or feel the construction. This is this is built well. Mm -hmm. These things are built to last. We're not we're not uh compromising quality durability reliability so what's this made from that's made from a, a tube aluminum tube okay so the wall thickness of the tube is thicker so it's than the current yeah. tube yeah so it's 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 more mm -hmm. it, it it won't uh, that'll never wear out no wow. <laughs> fantastic yeah well, that's amazing so we, i never got to finish answering your question earlier dave but the the, the next generation plastic brailler we end of life that because what we learned was it was not robust enough. Little did we know how rough children could be on their bridges. Yes, yeah, yeah. And uh, they I think braille display manufacturers are discovering this, you know, that uh, actually, if you want to give a child a piece of braille equipment, it better be robust because yes. uh, you're getting it back. <laughs> so this brailler has an onboard computer and it's designed to teach children braille it's not designed to be a production brailler it's got a lighter action That's it's right. got lighter action yeah slightly smaller keys yeah so we, it was designed for, it's yeah. designed for small fingers yeah yeah doesn't sound any different no just no. so so what what this can do it's still warming up oh okay yeah that's so all right. technology 
a bar just getting and then you've got levers at the side uh, so wider yeah. rollers with um right so so what this is designed to do it's got lesson plans in there mm. it's got audio visual so so what what you can't see is on the screen they there's the w name david in mm -hmm. alpha characters mm -hmm. and then the symbol above it so you get the audio you get the symbol and you and you get the character so okay a lot so, of, so a tvi would be able to see yes yeah yeah or a parent yeah or a public school teacher so a, yeah, lot, a lot of kids are going into mainstream schools in the united states and they're being taught by public teachers do you know that's something that's always intrigued me um just reading the word smart in braille on the top one of the interesting things about the original you know so perkins braille design is it doesn't actually have any braille on it um including the serial number and that's that's something i would i would i'm only speaking for myself but it's something i would very much appreciate is to know okay because yeah. what we often do is, do is make a label and stick it on you know yeah yeah, yeah. if you buy electronic like braille displays now some of them i know my work one has a has its serial, serial number, number in on braille. the bottom in braille yeah. yeah yeah that's a very good idea that just a thought yeah next generation <laughs> and and uh, you know i should have thought of that because oftentimes in our in our service and repair yeah so we'll have someone on the phone and yeah. and and we always ask them what's their serial number and i said i don't know because i'm blind yes i'm like oh geez you know so yeah. that's a, that's a very good very good well, if, if that ever happens i'm staking a claim then. okay <laughs> <laughs> oh i hope it does so what I've did been... you do um, before you worked here then? How did you kind of get the job here? Uh, so I come from high tech. I, I worked in um, wafer fabrication. I made semiconductor chips and superconducting cables. And okay. that was that's my background. I did that for more years than I want to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and um, when I was in superconductors, the, I, I, my job was to take a R&D and turn it into a manufacturing. And I did all that. Unfortunately, there was no business at the other end of that. So I was in transition and I just happened to be on LinkedIn and I saw this job and I said, what, what could an operations guy possibly do at Perkins School for the Blind? So I applied and that's how I, that's how I got here. And wow. I've been here for 10 years now. So. Had you met any blind people before you came here? Yeah, I, yes, yes. But I, I mean... Any Braille users? I mean, did you know about Braille? I mean, this is something I, I knew about Braille, but I didn't know about the Perkins Brailler. I didn't know. I had I had no real connection um, until I got here. But you were aware of that. Obviously, Braille was something that is really valuable for, for blind people, because that's often yeah. I think those of us that are in it, you know, we worry about, you know, awareness. Like, do people really know what Braille is? Do they get it? Do they appreciate it? Do they, do they think that it's had its time, you know, because of, of audio technology and, and things like that, when obviously, yeah. you know, they complement each other really well. You know, every smartphone and tablet and computer's already got Braille software built into it, right. you know. So, you know, Braille is, is so important for all the reasons that you yeah. already understand. But yeah. before you came here, how aware were you of Yeah, not, not very aware. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, I did, like none of my family or I really... Uh, I didn't have a close connection. So, but what Perkins School for the Blind does is, when you get onboarded, when you come to be an employee at Perkins, 
you go through a pretty rigorous um, uh, introduction and, and you know uh, and you know to, to try to gain that you know we, we call it drinking the kool-aid yeah um, <laughs> but it's it's you know I, I you know you, you if if you're going to get an appreciation, you'll get it really quick here. And, and, and so we understand, like I said, we understand how important the, the brailer is. Um, you know, we try to service them as quickly as we can. We try to be able to sustain them all over the world. We try to make them at the highest quality. Um, so. Thank you. Yeah. This, this is number 93. So this braille was made by. Um, oh, it has got some braille written on it. Yeah. Somebody uh, looks like it's some, somebody put it. So something, uh, it feels like school there, the word school. Uh, zero nine three, yeah, so. So this came from a teacher in our deaf blind program. So I think that maybe will have had the name of the school. It says, I can't read the first word, but then it says school. And then, um, yeah, zero, zero nine three. Yeah. Um, you can read on a braille label on the top. It's very smooth, um, but it has all the features that you would recognize. Uh, from the original Perkins brailler. So um, you, why you, do rollers? Are they replacement rollers? Yeah, these. They, yeah, they're like re new. yeah, they're replacement rollers. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it got dropped on its end because that's the common thing, as you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's got the the apron with the, the uh, oval slot. Yeah yeah. 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 And then the handle, obviously, and the bell we heard. And oh, there we go. And I'm just going to pull the carriage back. There you go. And does it still, does it still braille if you put yeah, paper in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Fantastic. Oh, wow. Oh, very smooth, isn't it, compared to I the... I think it's just had a lot so of use, hasn't if it? You, if you notice the uh, pressure roller, you see, oh, see yeah, the similarities? Yeah. yeah. So I'm not, I, didn't, I didn't come up with the idea. I just improved upon something that yeah. was... Oh, and it's got new new ears. New, yeah. Well, not ears, yes. whatever you call it. <laughs> yeah, it's got ears, yeah. The, wow. that's, and that's 70 years old. Yeah. yeah. Look at the feet, yeah. Dave. The feet are different. Have you seen yeah. The feet haven't got the holes in the middle for the screws. Yeah, the, okay. these, these have been replaced as well. Yeah, replacement oh, okay. feet, yeah. yeah. It's probably a new board. It it's a new board as well, yeah. 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 Oh, it's designed by David Abraham. Yeah. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Brailcast, the official podcast of the Brailists Foundation. You can find more Braille-related content by subscribing to Brailcast, all one word, in your podcast client of choice, or listening to Brailcast, connecting the dots for Brailists everywhere on your smart speaker. You can also find past episodes on our website at brailcast.com. If you have comments on the podcast or suggestions of topics or guests for future episodes, we'd love to hear from you. Please email help at braylists.org. You can also find the Braylists on Twitter at Braylists or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Foundation. Finally, if you like what you've heard, spread the word. New listeners are always welcome. So if you know other people who are interested in Braille, please tell them where to find us. In the meantime, on behalf of everyone at the Braillists, thanks for listening and bye for now. The costs of producing this episode were defrayed by a grant from the Activate Fund of the Winston Churchill Memorial Trust. For more information, visit wcmt.org.uk.